0: Hey, this is Annie and Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio.
1: So you kind of asked me this question previously on an update episode or a classic episode. So I'm gonna ask you, kind of similar, did you get baby dolls
0: as a kid? I did. I did. The first one that comes to mind was actually a fairly disturbing experience where um, you might be familiar with this, Samantha. But uh, up in Cleveland, Georgia, there is a Cabbage Patch doll. Oh, yes. Like museum slash store. And my parents took me when I was about eight years old. And for anyone who doesn't know, like this is my child memory, so it's not the best. But I just remember there's a big room big tree inside and you know every 30 minutes or so this woman in a nurse's outfit would come and like shout out to everyone like a new cabbage patch baby is born (laughs) and it scared the hell out of me Um, I took one home and it happened to be the one that ate and they had to recall those because you would fall asleep and in the middle of the night you'd you'd wake up and you'd hear this wrong Wrong. And it would be eating your hair. <laughs> so it was disturbing on
1: a lot of levels. Oh uh, yeah. So it exists, still exists. It's called yes, the it Babyland General Hospital. Uh-huh. Yes. And yeah, it's actually apparently it was a converted old clinic. It looked creepy inside. I like, I remember
0: that big room really well. And then you would go down some steps and then there would just be these big bins of like Cabbage Patch dolls of all sizes. But I remember that room and that nurse coming out and holding up the baby.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. So that's the only kind of baby dolls I really remember getting. I'm sure I got a couple of more, but I didn't love dolls in general. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. a thing for me, but I would get them. But a Cabbage Patch doll, I do remember. And the fact that they had like the hard head, plastic head, Mm -hmm. and then the cushy body, but then they had that signature on their butt. always thought that was weird. Yeah. Did you ever, when you had these dolls, did you play like your mom and this is your baby? Was that something that you did? I did have one that I did that with, but
0: it was specifically made for that. And I think what I really liked about it was the mechanics. Although looking back now, it's kind of gross. But you would like feed it and a little peas and carrots on a spoon, and it would kind of shoot back in the spoon to look as though it ate it. Right. You would change its diaper, and and I feel like I I did have that project in school where you had to. I guess it wasn't a baby doll, but you had to take, like, the egg home and keep it alive for a weekend or something, and I failed.
1: (laughs) I think I had that, too, and I never really played with them. I don't think we actually ever did the baby project, Mm -hmm. and I think it's still happening today. I don't know if they actually do other ways. And, of course, we see the sitcoms and the hilariousness. Uh, I believe it was in the Buffy episode where he boiled the egg so it didn't break. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) So, Xander, good old Xander. But today, we're not necessarily talking about dolls and such, but we are talking about women and children, essentially, or young girls being taught to be a parent. So... Today, we're going to discuss and talk about it briefly, and we've already talked about it briefly in our trauma mini series. I know I brought up the term, but wanted to do a whole episode dedicated to it. And it's a long and complicated subject, and the effects of parentification... In women, of course, when we're talking about parentification in the studies about parentifications, it does typically lean towards uh, what happens with young girls and women because it's that whole gender narrative of who is the parent and who is takes the responsibility of being a parent. Right. So that just go ahead and put that there. And of course, again, I have mentioned it because it's something that I've experienced with working with parentified children as well as the families. And uh, again, we're gonna go ahead and put this here. We're not professionals. I guess I'm Mm -hmm. not technically a professional anymore. As in, like, I'm not studying this. I don't treat it. Uh, You don't treat it. So, Um, and we're getting all of this from research and different articles. But we think that it's important that we talk about it because it's not talked about too often. Um, And again, we're going to also put a trigger warning here because it's not necessarily that we're going to talk into anything really dark or deep. We're not going to talk about abuse. But I know for a lot of people, just hearing some of these things that could trigger up emotions from your past, maybe it is you are a victim of parentification or you have a really hard relationship with your uh, parents due to something like this, it can be triggering. So Mm -hmm. go ahead and put that out there. We're going to do a deep dive of the effects as well as some of the articles and some of the reasons why this might happen. Yes. And
0: also, please know when it comes to issues like parentification, it is a sticky topic. Um, A majority of those who may have been parentified or could have been parentifying a child, it's not malicious, but oftentimes as a result of necessity or outside forces, whether it is untreated issues within the home or even due to economic stressors, Um, single parents who can't afford daycare, for example, of course, that doesn't negate the fact that it does have an impact and we want to look at some of those impacts. So let's start at the beginning with the definition.
1: So the definition of parentification is a fairly complicated one with its overall effects as well as the depth of who it affects. But the term was originated in depth by both Noge, and Spark in 1973. They used it to describe, quote, a common component of relationships whereby parental characteristics are projected onto an individual and typically that individual is a child. Parentification is a subcategory of a term called boundary dissolution, which is characterized by a distortion of reverse in the normative parent-child roles. Parentification is the process of children being assigned an adult role, taking on both the emotional and functional responsibilities that typically are performed by parents, which may be the result or is a result of the parent taking on the dependent child role. Overall, the
0: bigger, more damaging level of parentification is defined as something that can cause trauma and is overall a boundary violation in which the roles of parent-child are flipped, and the child becomes the caretaker, mediator, or protector of the family. Now, that's not to say giving some responsibility or autonomy to a child is unhealthy. Chores are goals for children to learn to be somewhat self-aware, and teaching responsibility can foster a sense of accomplishment or teach a level of discipline that leads to confidence and nurturing that can help children to become functioning adults, such as teaching children how to do laundry, money management, or how to use a stove properly but this is accompanied by a healthy relationship and support of the parent, which often follows with acknowledgement of what is being taught.
1: Right. So now, according to the research from Jennifer Engelhardt from Columbia University, there are two types of parentification, instrumental and emotional. Instrumental can be seen as healthy to a certain degree, uh, like the assignment of functional responsibilities, such as paying bills, shopping, helping with cooking or running the day to day care of the household. Again, an extreme version of this, when we see the responsibility being fully placed on a child, it is dangerous and can be detrimental in the development on a young child. Example of that would be parents are incapacitated and the child is responsible in feeding and dressing and taking care of all the other children as well as themselves and maybe even the parent.
0: Yes. And emotional parentification is the expectation that the children will fulfill specific emotional or psychological needs of the parent. This is when we witness or experience being the emotional rocker, support of the parent, being the confidant of a parent during rough times, example, during a divorce, telling the child the ugly details of the other parent or why marriage didn't work or using the child as their sounding board. This type of parentification is noted to cause more trauma and damage than instrumental parentification. Emotional parentification often uses the child as the one to give emotional care and may even be expected to give quote, unwavering support and or crisis intervention, and if not able to meet that need, can cause the parent to lash out or be withholding. And later, we will talk a bit about the results when it comes to mental health and attachment issues, but it is, again, something to remember that there, there is a balance when a child is expected to be the bearer of the family, whether emotional or otherwise, the outcome can be traumatic.
1: Right, The uh, effects and outcomes of hernification is, of course, varying from person to person. But the effects can run deep and even generational. Again, there's a difference from teaching responsibility, and we're going to harp on that a lot because we know that when it comes to parenting, that's a sensitive issue, and we're not trying to tell you how to parent. But... We don't want to shy away from a topic. So there, yeah, is a difference from teaching responsibility versus abuse. But here we're going to talk a lot more about the extreme of the trauma of parentification. So... Just to be a reminder, research has shown that overall outcome for parentification of children can include internalized problems like depression or anxiety symptoms, as well as somatic symptoms like headaches and stomach aches. Parentified children can also show external problems like aggressive or disruptive behaviors, self-harm, symptoms that mimic ADHD, and similar behaviors.
0: It can also lead to difficulties in interpersonal relationships, academic problems, perhaps due partially to absenteeism. And with all that, the overall effect of extreme parentification can be seen in an impeding in identity development and personality information. It can affect interpersonal relationships, including with their own children. It can also be associated with later attachment issues, psychological distress, masochistic and narcissistic behaviors, and even lead to possible substance abuse. But It isn't always negative. Some researchers speculated that parentification may be beneficial and can lead to better interpersonal confidence and stronger family bonds, as well as, quote, a higher level of individualization, differentiation from family, and self-mastery and autonomy. But typically, this is more likely for a child who has experienced low levels of parentification that is accompanied by healthy relationships with adults that reward and recognize the child's achievements and efforts. So... We did want to talk about how women are particularly affected. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So how does this affect women? Well, not surprisingly, according to research, parentification issues affect more women than men, and that is partially due to the level of responsibility placed on young girls to be caretakers of the family, like what you and I are talking about. As young kids, we get dolls and being told how to be nurturing and how to care, and this is what you want to be eventually, right? You want a Mm -hmm. kid. And you know the whole patriarchal narrative that women stay home, cook clean, and take care of the family while the men go to work and bring home that bacon. (laughs) Which means a chunk of the research focuses on the mother-child dynamic as well. And not as much research leans on the father-child relationship, although it does, but it's newer. So that is something to be said. And when we talk about it a little more um, as it comes out, we see kind of how it pours out differently. Again, the nurturing versus playful and protective whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and as one article writes, quote, patriarchal values that support the parentification of a female children have been in a place for centuries. The belief that female children are particularly adept as caretakers, emotional laborers, and the dumping ground for disowned family wounds and secrets. And all of this should include
0: the perspective that for so long girls have been seen as being more mature than boys are, and are more likely to be given that type of responsibility and expectation. So perhaps society itself is parentifying young girls. And as we read through the many different perspectives, an overlapping theme arises, and that is the competition between mother and daughter. Again, we are looking at the more extreme version of parentification. Many talk about the idea of love and validation as a finite source and being taught that one must earn such things. And with that, as one psychotherapist states... The, quote, patriarchy has deprived women to such a degree that when they become mothers, they often turn to the love of their young daughters, starving and ravenous for validation, approval, and recognition. And because typically, parenting is a, quote, gendered practice, and therefore we see the heteronormative role suggest, quote, that fathers spend more time and play activities with their children, while the primary instrumental and emotional parenting role is usually undertaken by the mother which can also relate as to why we see more women and young girls mentioned in these studies.
1: Right. And when we're talking about the play level, it's that whole princess narrative that that oftentimes we see fathers have, this is my princess, you know, all of these things that are laid out on to young girls, but it actually can be a form of parentification when you put them up into a pedestal that they validate their roles as fathers. So it's, uh, iffy like oh god because of what happens when they're disappointing them so that's kind of that whole like my girl my young girl i have to protect her and then if they step out of line like they become sexual <gasps> so that's definitely another thing that we can look at but we're not going to necessarily talk about in this episode but when it comes to parentifications, young girls are more likely to take on that parent role when there's a parent missing from the typically heteronormative two-parent household. Again, we want to mention that parentification may manifest differently for men than it does for women. So young kids, young boys who are being parentified, such as the boys being more protective and provide for their family while girls you know, take care and nurture the family. So definitely two different, very gendered ideas that society places on what they should be doing. Prime example, supernatural. <laughs>
0: yes. Oh, I told you, that's been triggering for me watching that. So yes.
1: <laughs> Which may continue again in adulthood with men overcompensating to be hyper-masculine in their actions and ideas. Something also to think on. And in all of this, uh, birth order can play a major part into who may be more likely to be parentified as well. So when we talk about the middle child, the oldest child and the youngest child, that can play a key role in all of this conversation. So we talked a little bit of the effects of extreme pornification earlier, including depression and anxiety, but add to that the many layers of low self-esteem and inability to have healthy attachments and even complex PTSD. Many times if someone has experienced this, they also experience a lot of shame and
0: guilt throughout their lives whether it's a need to take responsibility for all misgivings or failures around them or shouldering all their responsibilities as well, they become hyper-vigilant of criticism and or the possibility of upsetting someone. And within that, uh, maybe a level of distracting or deflecting from a bad situation. And for adults who took on roles of parents as children, it is likely that they have become highly sensitized to errors, imperfection, and unfairness in the world. They have a harsh inner critic inside of them, constantly telling them they're not doing things correctly or perfectly enough. They live with constant pressure to fix things, correct things, and to make things right again, being highly judgmental and critical.
1: Right. So we talked a bit about the biases within parentification where, and why there may be more research on the mother-child role. But there are also examples where we see fathers relying, as I mentioned before, on young daughters to be the wife within the family. And we're saying this in caretaker level. And again, that's not to say that this, there isn't a healthy balance in assisting and contributing to the family. Babysitting your younger siblings is not a bad thing for a short amount of time. Helping your younger siblings with homework when your parents are kind of busy that's not a bad thing. Having chores, not a bad thing. What is being looked at here is when this expectation that the child will become the cook, become the housekeeper, and an overall caregiver of the household. Here, the level of negligence can be detrimental and could even lead to harmful expectations within romantic relationships. As one research states, quote, that parentified child may develop anxious and or avoidant orientations toward relationships, and those beliefs are then carried forward into young adult romantic relationships. That is, having had a developmentally inappropriate caregiving role thrust on them as children may put these young adults at higher risk of perceiving themselves as only valuable to others insofar as they serve a purpose. So that we're talking about the fact that you have to earn love once again, or you have to earn your place in that home. And it continues to stay. alternatively, they may take on too much responsibility and feel that they are solely responsible for the happiness of those around them.
0: And yeah, we do have some examples we wanted to go over because there are many blogs and posts out there with personal accounts of pornification. And it's important to acknowledge the damage this type of trauma can have and why we do need to keep researching it and its effects. Many talk about um, how these types of issues end up robbing individuals of their childhoods and why that is problematic. And with that, they may have never gotten a resolution or had a conversation with the parents that were the cause of these types of trauma. And more often than not, parents are or were unaware of what they are or were doing whether it's a misguided effort to prepare children for the the real world, or because more often than not, children are so empathetic that it feels like an easy solution or just talking with someone. And sometimes, um, and typically seen in paternal parents, the excuse that my child is smart and mature, they can handle it, is used to treat their child as a confidant or cohort.
1: Right. So some of the examples actually was, so one of my favorite things on Reddit is, uh, am I the which is Uh a whole Reddit that I'm not going to lie because its I'm sure half of them are made up. (laughs) But there was a reference to one specific one where the father was asking if he was the hole because he had his 16-year-old daughter take up the mantle of the mother after the mother died, including the fact that he was going to keep her from going to college, take away all of her after-school activities because he needed help with the younger siblings. Mm -hmm. Again, of course, we want to talk about the fact that there are Issues which when it comes to death, when it comes to sicknesses, that yes, kids are given a little more responsibility. But to that level that he was not allowing her to go to college, how much of a damage that he could cause for this young woman, as well as the bitterness that's going to come out of that Mm -hmm. in general, and how it's going to ruin their relationship. But of course, again, this doesn't go back to the fact of what you have to do. Sometimes you just have to do some things. And the fact of the matter is you have to have that assistance. But I think in this specific article, he wasn't saying that he did, couldn't find help. He was just refusing to do it without her. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, mm, Right. I don't know if you know what you're doing, but this is bad. As well <laughs> as we have so many different blogs of people telling their own stories, whether it's having a mother that was narcissistic, having parents that were alcoholics, and what that looks like. And I, I know within my own family, there's definite stories of them taking care of themselves or their younger siblings while the parent is gone to try to retrieve the father figure from a bar. And because Mm -hmm. they're so focused in trying to take care of their spouse, that they neglect the children. And who has to take up that mantle? Mm -hmm. Uh, For myself, of course, being in an orphanage, I'm not necessarily parentified because I wasn't taking care of others, but I was definitely independent. And I was definitely lost a lot of childhood because I had to grow up real quick. So there's Mm -hmm. definitely conversations of what does this look like? And even though during that point in time, of course, I think boomers versus millennials would say have a different conversation for sure because it was expected of -hmm. them to take on this mantle. But the fact of the matter is it does cause Trauma, and we have to look at the later repercussions of what might have happened. Yes, yes, yes.
0: And speaking of, we did want to look at some outside factors that can lead to prunification. But first, we're going to pause for one more quick break for a word from our sponsor.
1: Thank you, sponsored. So yeah, why does parentification happen? There are, again, a number of reasons, and we've already talked about a few of those. Uh, and again, like we said, alcohol and substance use disorders, uh, serious medical conditions, immaturity of parents, parents' own neglect or abuse, so that kind of transfers into their own families, financial hardships, and mental health issues. Uh, and again, we want to emphasize that not all parentification is to the extreme that it can cause these types of trauma and effects we've already talked about. Um, and I'm sure everybody's like, why are you saying that over and over again? Because it, there, again, is a balance. There's always a balance. and But we also want to mention things like financial hardship and socioeconomic issues and reasons for parentifications as a symptom of a much larger problem. If a family can't afford the assistance or are not qualified for use to be in school, pre-K, whatever, whatnot, and have to depend on their oldest child for childcare or anything of the such we can't really talk about what the parent is doing without talking about what our society is making our parents do without. And I think that's something we have to remember. And I know that's one of the big debates that was happening with Senator Elizabeth Warren saying that we need to be able to give state childcare and we need to be able to provide it because what we're looking at, the people who can afford childcare are those who have the money. And so if you have that money, then, you know, you're great. That's great. That's on you. And if you're parentifying your child, that's a whole other conversation that, yeah, it's probably pretty traumatizing for your kid whether or not you want to talk about it. But when we look at these socioeconomic statuses, when we look at women who are uh, working in a single parent in a minimum wage job that's trying to provide their basic needs, then we really can't talk about what they're not doing right or what they're doing wrong. Because we are upholding a system that's trying to punish them for the most that they can do without giving them any help. And yeah. again, my name's going to be on a list, I know. But <laughs> I think that's what I saw as a social worker. More often than not, the, the neglect cases that happened to me, if it wasn't drug abuse cases or uh, alcohol cases or any of those, it was because they were making do with what they had. Mm-hmm. And so part of that includes transportation. So if they don't have a back and forth to get this child uh, right. from daycare, then, who, then what we are going to do? If they don't have family support, then what are they going to do? It's kind of that whole level. And I definitely have friends who are part of the social work system because they had to live that life as a parentified child, and they want to help. But again, when you have a government that ties hands and keeps saying, you know, bootstrap, bootstrap, there's only so much you can do. Mm -hmm. So just put that there. Again, we also want to talk about parents with disabilities. It's kind of that same thing. We as a society are not providing the necessary funding or appropriate assistance for families to maintain autonomy. And that is a big conversation. There's no real answer or solution to how to appropriately help if we're not helping. And if we're just expecting them to make their own solution with a very minimal amount of any kind of help, then why do we expect that they're going to be on the same footing. Um, and As in fact, we could go again into the bigger issue of the ableist idea that they as a marginalized community should do without a level playing field when it comes to family. So we're not going to put them at the same level and give them the same opportunities or same expectation as an able-bodied family. But the fact that we're trying to hold them in that same expectations, once again, not giving them the same resources that was given to others. That's not something that should be expected. And that's something that we need to reconsider as we're talking about all of this as well. Mm -hmm. And also, yeah, um, when we talk about, and we mentioned it a couple of times about addiction and substance use, it's also one of the big reasons for uh, parentification, whether they're incapacitated because of this type of disorder or whether it's expected that whether children learn for themselves that they have to uh, be the ones that take care of things. My own experience uh, when I would do uh, child abuse investigation cases, this was one of the big concerns uh, with alcohol and drug-related issues. It was coming into a home, finding, let's say, the parent passed out in the back and the child in the kitchen by themselves operating a stove. So I had a case where a six-year-old was sitting there making dinner for herself and her two-year-old brother and asking, where's your parent? And they were there technically, but they weren't there. And that child being so excited to tell me that she could do this on her own, and she taught herself how to do this, is heartbreaking at the same time. That you're glad that they're able to do that and, and you know you want to praise them for being that smart and, oh, wow, good job. But you're heartbroken because you had to teach yourself that and you don't have the meal that a parent should be providing for you or that a, a guardian should be providing for you and caring for you, at least watching you do this so nothing disastrous happens. So I've definitely had many of those cases. And um, yeah, within that, oftentimes I see uh, trauma bonding. So when I would investigate some of these cases... Now, the six-year-old was a different case because they were younger and they didn't realize what was happening. Many children and adults don't know that that's supposed to be happening, but having like 13, 14-year-olds try to lie to me about when their parents pass out. I had those cases or that the parents were gone for days at a time or uh, what happens at night when things happen and they think they can get away with things. There's a lot of this trauma bond because they don't want to leave their family or they don't want to abandon their family or they don't want to tell on their family. And of course, that also goes into the fact that the only oftentimes solution was foster care. And I hate foster care. (laughs) And I say that as... It is such a harsh environment, no matter how great a situation, but being pulled away from your family, being pulled away from something that you think is stable is traumatizing. I definitely saw this as a part of that as well. So you have this trauma bond, plus the parentification, and it becomes a whole narrative as an adult. And it becomes usually generational, because that's what you're taught. Obviously, this is something that's affected me and has broken my heart over and over again. But something that we definitely have to talk about within our systems as well.
0: Right. And then something else we wanted to touch on are divorce and domestic violence. Maybe one of the more common cases of why a child may have a role reversal. In these circumstances, children may become the confidant or protectors of their parents. They become mediators between the parents, or some may believe and be told that their behaviors are the cause of the problem within the families. Because children are fairly empathetic overall, they are the ones who may be providing comfort or support for their parents.
1: Right. I think that's going to resonate with a lot of uh, people, especially in our generation, when we talk about being the other for their parents or trying to hide things from their parents or being told not to say things to their parents. Um, And of course, it happens today, too. And how damaging that really is for Mm -hmm. an individual and why we need to stop that. (laughs) (laughs) in general. (laughs) But yeah, also, we do want to talk again a little more in-depth look at some of the signs of parentification. So we talked about a few of them earlier, everything from compensating to signs of ADHD, but we wanted to add some more. So anxiety, especially when it comes to caring for others or always constantly, definitely had that as an issue. Uh, Me growing up being told I was bossy, but -hmm. I was really just anxious to make sure everybody was okay. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's happened to a lot of girls. As a young age. Depression, suicidal ideation, compulsive overworking in order to fulfill responsibilities at school, at home, at career. And this is a type of compulsive caregiving as well that happens. Feelings of constant guilt and shame, social isolation. And then constant worry or concern, trouble of having fun
0: or playing, constant need to be in control, lack of childhood, need to be a peacekeeper, sacrificing your own needs for others to the detriment of your health.
1: And we have a feeling uh, many of you will recognize some of these signs or any of the effects we talked about earlier or even the examples that we talked about earlier. As in fact, the National Alliance for Caregiving shows that at least 1.4 million children and adolescents in the U.S. alone experienced parentifications of some sort as of 2019. And this is one of those things that's often overlooked as part of the problem or trauma. So I'm betting that the numbers are higher. So... Just put that caveat there. And uh, with all those heavy things, what are some ways that we can work through the issues that are related to being parentified? Well, no surprise, therapy. Different types of therapy
0: are being used to address the trauma due to experiencing parentification, including... Trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy, which could help change unhelpful thought patterns. Dialectical behavior therapy, which could identify and change self-destructive behaviors. EMDR or eye movement desensitization and reprocessing to help with the trauma. Comprehensive Resource Model, which involves, uh, quote, psychology, spirituality, neurobiology, and somatic techniques, and other types of therapies, including art therapy and equine-assisted therapy.
1: Yeah, which we've used here often in Georgia. I think that the types of pet therapy as well as equine-assisted therapy has been really helpful in allowing a child to process being a child. So that is something. And yeah, getting in touch with your inner child can also help. And I know this sounds cliche, but for those who've experienced pernification, many have stated that they were not allowed a childhood or that their childhood was taken from them. And being a child means to be able to grow, to learn, to make mistakes, and being able to be selfish to a healthy extent, and and think of what you need and what you want. And an article from Psychology Today states, quote, become a parent and friend to your inner child. Take inventory of what you did not receive as a child and what needs still need to be met. This is different for everyone. Maybe you didn't have a structure as a childhood, so you need it now. Maybe you had entirely too much structure as a child, and you need freedom.
0: Yeah, so part of that is honoring your inner child and this involves create structure for yourself. If that was something you didn't get as a child, um, playing or, or enjoying something that you want to do or love to do, be kind to yourself, create safety and boundaries for yourself. And I'm actually working on this in therapy right now because I did have some parentification as a child and it's I still struggle with it. And like in the first time, we, I was supposed to like homework like get in touch with my inner child. And I, it was so much harder than I thought it was going to be. And I, it was upsetting. And she was like, well, what would you say to her? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, so it is. I mean, it's an ongoing work in progress for me. Something else is learning to care for yourself. That's something we've talked about, self-care. On and on, on this podcast, it is often denied to young children who are parentified because it is seen as selfish or self-indulgent. And for many people, those words are bad words. But we need to learn to let that go. And remember, we can't help others if we can't help ourselves. Being selfless seems like a nice idea, but what happens when we empty ourselves out completely and there's just nothing left? (laughs) It can easily become a cycle that, in turn, puts more pressure on others to take care of you, which means if you have children, you have to take that mantle up to care for you, that can lead to them being parentified as well.
1: Right. And again, yeah, we've talked about self-care a lot and why it's important. But I think specifically in regards to parentification, because again, the compulsive caregiving is really taxing and traumatizing in itself. And as a result of being parentified, self-care is almost impossible to do if you really haven't worked through why you need it. So it is very important that you are able to give that to yourself. And we're not talking about you have to go for a spa day or whatever. We're just talking about whatever that might be, whether it is to take a step back and watch. Shoot, what if you loved cartoons as a kid? You weren't allowed to watch it because you had to care for everything else and you didn't have the time. Watch a cartoon. Enjoy that. Enjoy what that brings out in you. And yeah, there's a lot we didn't talk about especially in this episode that we probably could address. And I know that y'all as an audience probably have a lot of experiences and a lot of advice and a lot of things that you've worked out that you can uh, send to us. And we would love to hear that because that's the best way to learn is when you have someone that you can relate to in so many aspects. And again, parentification comes through so many different forms. Mine was specific to being abandoned. Like my issues were probably more reactive attachment issues, which I do want to dig into as well later on. But also it did teach me to grow up very quickly in survival skills. And that's kind of what this is. And whether it's you learning that you have to provide for others or feeling like that's how you have self-worth That's a big conversation and and to break that down and what that looks like when you finally start letting that go. And again, this is definitely an issue that should be talked about and remembered when we look at what's happening with our society and why we are the way we are. I think that's one of the big things that we have to be able to do is not necessarily excuse people, but understand people. And again, This is a small portion of a much larger picture when it comes to relationships, when it comes to ourselves and understanding ourselves. And if you have something that you think we missed, please let us know. We love hearing more information and we love to learn with y'all. So yeah, give us that info.
0: Yes, please. And you can send that... To our email, which is Steph Media Stuff at iHeartMedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram at StephMomNeverToldYou. Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you for caring for us. Yes. And thanks to you for listening. Stephon Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.